It's awkward, isn't it? When the video goes wrong, and then you expect someone to fix it, and there's nothing. It's weird, isn't it? You expect the preacher to be at the front, the worship leader to be there to help you out, but it's nothing. It was only 60 seconds I timed it. But I could hear the awkwardness in the back. I could hear the noses and the everything. And sometimes that's the Christian experience of God. I'm not even talking about you if you're not a Christian, because then you, you won't be experiencing Him. I'm talking about the Christian experience of God. You, he's, he's just distant sometimes. It feels awkward. You, th- you think like, but you're God. And now you've run away and hidden behind. Do you, get out and do your job. We only have 30 minutes. We're timing you. We know you talk a lot. So get on with it. It's awkward. It's, it's not nice. And do you know, Joe's, some of the worship stole like about three quarters of my preach. And then Joe went and mentioned that today is, in the Christian calendar, is Pentecost. And I was like, that's like part of my introduction. So I thought, I'll just walk off and then I'll come back and then I'll pretend that I've done my introduction. But it'd be a real shame if we don't spend any of our time this morning looking at the events around Pentecost, even for those of you who for decades have been familiar with it. God wants to do something new. Okay. I see the problem from last week. The microphone sometimes doesn't work. Let me try again. God wants to do something new. Just checking if you're alive. So today's talk, my title is, we're looking at all these aspects of God, the characteristics of God over the next six weeks. My title is God is Spirit. It's a big deal. I want you to know that we could have spent the entire six weeks delving into this and not scratched the surface of what it really means for God to be Spirit and what the implications are for your and my life. I've just spent the last two weeks reading nothing else besides Acts 2, and my heart is on fire. I want to tell you that my heart is on fire, and my expectation is through the roof, because that's what the Word of God does. It sets you on fire. If you're following in your Bible or on a device, um, we'll we'll be in Acts 2. (laughs) I just want to preface it with um, just mentioning where we find ourselves in the story. Maybe if you're a little rusty or if you don't go to church and you're unfamiliar with it. Jesus Christ, when he was on earth, Jesus, when he was on earth, even though he is eternally God, this is the brain breaker. He's eternally God, but when he was on earth, he emptied himself and he became a man. It's hard, eh? It's hard to get your, say the right words, your brain. Don't say teeny tiny brain around that huge concept. That the God of the universe, who is eternally God, 
sends his son who is eternally God, and in that moment he empties himself, and then he becomes fully human, and he lives his life on earth, fully human, facing all the temptations that you and I face, and never sins. Another very foreign concept for us humans, isn't it? Never gets it wrong, never ever. And then he goes to the cross, and he dies as our substitute savior. He's buried, and three days later, after defeating sin and death and hell, he comes back to life. And then Acts 1 tells us that for 40 days, he spends his time evidencing his resurrection with many proofs to different people. That's what he does for 40 days. You can check it out in Acts 1. And then twice, within the space of four verses, he does something remarkable. Once during a meal, he liked having meals with people. Once during a meal, and the second time before he ascends, like Joe just said, before he ascends to go, to go and be with the Father, he tells his disciples this. He says, don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you, and we must read it carefully, until the Father sends you the gift that he has promised. The gift. The gift that he has promised. This gift is the Holy Spirit. And when He comes on you, you will receive power. Wow. If, if my son was here, he's the one that turned six today. If he was here, he'd be so stoked to hear those words. You will receive power. <laughs> Do you know... He loves spinach. He'll eat it raw out of the packet. Do you know why? Because I told him it makes him strong. Do you know that? I didn't lie to him. I said, that makes you strong. Now he can't get in. If the smoothie we make isn't green, he loses his mind. He doesn't believe there's spinach in, and then he thinks he's going to remain normal. <laughs> it's interesting that my son is that concerned with spinach, and for us as humans... We read that God says if we wait on him, he will give us his spirit and we will have this supernatural, extraordinary power. We don't get excited about it. It's bizarre. If I'm shaking, I'm not nervous. I just, I, I feel like God is doing some stuff here this morning. But maybe a bit longer because that's taken quite long to just get, I, I don't even got started. And the effect of this power is that you, he says to his disciples, will go and tell people about who I am, and it will change their lives forever. And you will do it in your city, and then you will do it in the surrounding cities, and then you'll do it in the nation, and then it is going to go to the uttermost parts of the earth. It's incredible. This is, this is, this is certainly not spinach. This is a very, 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 very big deal. So we're going to read. It's quite a bit of reading, but I just want us to try and, and get the big picture. So, okay, we're there. On the day of Pentecost, so Pentecost, Pente means 50, so it's 
After Jesus came back to life, 50 days later, there's another festival happening or another feast happening. It's called Pentecost. And it says all the believers were together in one place. So there's another number that's quite important. This is 10 days after Jesus had gone to be back with the Father. So 10 days later, they are waiting. These guys had positioned themselves. They, they heard what, what Jesus said. Don't leave. Don't go and do it by yourself. Just wait. So they waited. And for 10 days, they waited. They prayed. I think if there was someone remotely British, they would have moaned a little bit. <laughs> Any British friends, I love you. And then it says this, suddenly, out the blue, suddenly, there was this sound from heaven, and they couldn't describe it, so they called it this. They said, it was like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then, what looked, they can only describe it as, I, the only way we can tell it to you guys is, what looked like tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them, and everyone present, that's the key, it's not going to happen if you're outside of the room, because if you read the whole story, there's lots more people, only 120 made it into the room, can I say something this morning, don't be found outside of the room, don't be found outside of the room, you want to be if you want to know where it's at, it's in the room. It's in the place of waiting. It's when you've positioned yourself. That's where it's happening. And everyone present was filled with the Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Spirit gave them this ability. At the time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. And when they heard the loud noise that was coming from these people, everyone, not some of the people, Sorry, boy. Everyone. Look, why is that man shouting so much? Everyone there came running. They were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee. These people are all ordinary. That's the other word for it. They're all standard guys and girls. Joe's saying they're all from Fishuk. <laughs> Not my words. I'm just reading lips here. These people are ordinary. And yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Serene, visitors from Rome, Cretans, and Arabs. And we hear all these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things that God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other, but others in the crowd, there's always someone, eh? Others in the crowd said, nah, they just drunk. It's a really weird thing if you think about it. 
Someone suddenly has the ability to speak your language fluently, and the only thing you can come up with is saying, they're probably just drunk. Because drunk people really have the ability to learn another language and then speak it clearly, right? Get a life. I mean, like, jeepers, what a stupid thing to say. Anyway, Peter and, one of the other, uh, and some of the other guys, they go on to say to the guys, listen, think about it. Anybody hear any Boeings go over this morning? It's way too early for these people to be drunk. Way, way, way too early for these people to be drunk. What's happening here is simply a fulfillment of an Old Testament prophecy that the prophet Joel spoke, that without distinction, no matter what your background, no matter what you've done, no matter how good or bad you are, no matter whether you're in charge or whether you're a slave, God has promised this moment is going to happen. He's going to pour out his spirit on everybody. Everybody. People are going to prophesy. Some are going to dream dreams. Some are going to see visions. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be extraordinary. God is going to do kind of like, just in a much more spectacular way, the thing that I did. When you think, where is he gone? Suddenly, he's going to come from backstage and say, by his spirit, I'm here to make the invisible God visible. Not only in your life, but through your life. People of Fishuk. Do you know, God wants the lady in the back with the white headpiece. Do you know, God wants to change your life. And he wants to change the nations of the earth through you. Do you know that that's God's, that's God's promise over your life? Because it's in there. Not in my iPad, in the actual Bible. It's in there. God says he will take your life if you're willing to sit and wait on him. He will give you a power that will cause something so big to happen in your life that the nations of the earth will feel the ripple effect of it. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Peter then goes on, and this is verse 32. Next slide, um, if you can, please, Solomon. God raised Jesus from the dead. And we are all witnesses. Remember what happened in chapter 1? For 40 days, Jesus made sure there were witnesses. Peter's saying, during those 40 days, all of us witnessed that he's come back to life. We witnessed that he'd beaten death. He'd beaten death. It's a big deal. And we witnessed it. And now he's exalted in the highest place of honor in heaven. He is at God's right hand. And the Father, because he doesn't lie like you and me, because he doesn't overpromise and underdeliver like you and me, the Father, just as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out on us. And that is what you're seeing happen here today. He's saying, the prophet Joel said it. You can read it in the old manuscripts. You can go check it out for yourself. And that's what's happening here today. The Spirit is being poured out, and it's changing us. And God loves you so much that he's willing to speak the Egyptian language just for you. It's amazing. It's amazing. I'm excited. Does it, as it's coming across that I feel like I'm pumped about this. I'm really pumped. Thanks, Joe. 
Verse 37, Peter's words, how cool is this? When Peter explained to them what was happening, when Peter reminded them of the prophecy, when Peter connected the dots for them, then this happened. Peter's words pierced their hearts. Why? Because God promised that it would happen. God loved those people so much that he caused their language to be spoken. And they said to him and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins. You must turn to God. You must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then this gift, this power, this thing that's happening in me and all the other people around, that sound that you came running to hear, that same thing is going to happen in your life. It's not just to touch someone's life. It's to turn it around completely so that the movement can continue. This promise is to you. It's generational. It's to you and to your children and to those who are far away. All who have been called by the Lord our God. And check this out. Those who believed what Peter had said were baptized and added to the church that day. That day. No time wasted. That day, about 3,000. If 3,000 lives are changed in Fishwick or any other suburb in Cape Town, do you know what? The newspapers will write about it. Some news channel will come looking because it's not normal. If a community that is stricken by drugs and gangsterism, if 3,000 people turn away from what's happening in their lives, do you know what? Everybody will pay attention. Everybody will pay attention because it's not normal. Or is it? I'm just going to double check. Let me take out the actual copy. Go to Acts 2. Those who believed, says the same thing. Those who believed that what Peter said were baptized and added to the church about 3,000. Do you know? It's possible for 3,000 people to get changed in one day. And God doesn't even need the whole of victory. He just needs one person who says, I'm ready. One person. You know that? One person. 3,000 people could get changed. 5,000 people could get changed. The movement is unstoppable. This movement is unstoppable. The Bible, no matter, no matter what you hear about every other book, because there's some big sellers out there, the Bible is still number one on the list. Still the biggest seller. You think, like, how many copies do some people need? But, you know, here's the thing. There's some people who have never had a copy in their hands. You think it's going to stop being the biggest seller? Never. It's destined to continue to be the biggest seller. Because it's good news. There's some people out there that if they heard this, they would lose their minds thinking my entire village could change tomorrow. Because they'd read it and believe it. God is asking us today, do we want to read it and believe it? 
Do we think this is real? Do we think this is for us? And even if you've come and you're thinking, I'm not even from this kind of church where it's quite dark when we sing and it's quite loud. And at the start, the words didn't work, so I didn't know what was happening. And now you're a bit shouty. Do you know, even for you, because it's the same Bible, even for you, God wants to use your life. And you know what? That 3,000 moment, when those people got changed in that moment, because people were just simply willing to listen and obey what Jesus said. Wait. Wait. Don't go ahead. Don't do it in your own strength. Don't try and fix this yourself. They were just willing to wait. All it took was 10 days. Now, in our minds, that is crazy talk because everything is instant. But they were just willing to wait. And because they did, the church as we know it started. That's the birth of the church right there. Isn't it amazing? It had everything. It had drama, excitement, ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Massive wow factor. Didn't it? Fire on people's heads. Wind. Normal people speaking other languages. Some of us are thinking, dear God, I've been trying to speak Spanish for five years. This is not working. (laughs) Struggling to say gracias. 3,000 lives changed for eternity, it's immense. The biggest challenge for you and me is that we don't treat this passage like some inspiring bit of literature in a fantasy novel. It's true, isn't it, Dave? This, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, whatever you want to be called, this is not a fantasy novel. This book has the words of life. It's not a fantasy novel, so let's not treat it like one. Please, let's not find ourselves simply entertained by it. We need to treat it in the way that God intended it for us to receive it, as a model for us to copy. It's it's one big, giant invitation. Come and get it. Come and join the party. Who likes dancing? I'm not going to ask you to dance. I'm just saying, who likes dancing? It's, it's like that. It's like that feeling. You wait on God and God gives you something and you go and you speak to someone and you see what he does in their life. It's better than your best dance moves ever. You want to go home and dance. You want to you get excited. You want to do it again. You try and do this, in your own strength, it's going to fail. You try and do this by the power of God, it's going to work, and you're going to want more. That's how it's designed. That is just how it's designed. What makes this passage even more remarkable is that this passage is backed up by the life of Jesus. You know, because some people are like, I'm not going to follow mere men and women. I follow Jesus. I follow the model of Jesus. Let me give you a little bit of help quickly. I mentioned earlier that he's eternally God, and even though he is eternally God, he emptied himself and lived on earth as a man, right? And he didn't sin. And then he got baptized. Guess what happened after his baptism? In a similar dramatic way, the Holy Spirit came on him. And people could only say, you know, I looked, it was like a dove. It came on him. 
And when it came on him, he had fire and he had power. And when he had it, he went out. And the first thing he did was he, he went out to the wilderness and he was tempted. He didn't eat for 40 days. You and I lose our minds if we don't have our afternoon tea. We are hangry. Your wife walks in and you're like, where is your dinner ready? Because you're hangry. Because you didn't have your biscuit. I'm a rusk. Uh, and I'm not reflecting. I'm just talking about other people. But he didn't eat for 40 days. He's a normal human being. He's tempted beyond what our minds can understand. And he does not sin. Do you know why? Because he had power. Because the Spirit came on him. That's why. Even though he was God. Isn't it amazing? And then he comes back. And you, you, you go, that's, that's Luke 3. You go through the, re the rest on, from Luke 4 onwards. And it's just mind-blowing stuff. He walks back. I think the first thing you think, he meets a demon-possessed person. And with a single word, he casts the demon out. And the person is free. Then he goes, every single person who's sick, who they bring to him, he heals them. Because he's got the power. He's got this power on him. He speaks good news to people and their lives are remarkably changed. Never to be the same. Never ever. Some of them he says, please, please, don't go and tell everybody. Because he knows more and more are going to come. Because everybody wants a piece of that, right? My friend's life got absolutely changed. I want some of that. He preaches. And the Bible says they were amazed at the authority that he had. The Spirit was on him. There's, there's something extraordinary. Can you hear that? Like the sound of a mighty wind. God wants to do something. God wants to do something. What Luke is trying to get you and me to see, he's written two books, right? He's written the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke, and he's written the book of Acts. And what Luke is trying to get you and me to see, as he uses examples from Jesus' life in Luke and the early, people's, early, early believers' lives in the book of Acts, is that there's an open invitation for you and me to live our lives fueled by the same power. You want the example of believers? It's right there for you. If you're saying, I need Jesus' example, it's right there for you. In fact, you can have both. Isn't it amazing? Language is another thing that's usually important. And in this particular context, even more so, in both books, Luke you know, and Acts again, Luke refers to the Holy Spirit as the promise of the Father. Don't miss single words. The promise of the Father. The Old Testament has 8,000 promises. That's one promise for every third verse. And God is serious and committed and wants to see all of them happen. So if he's saying this is the promise, Luke is writing it in that fashion because he's trying to get our attention. He's saying there's 8,000 other promises. Don't ignore them. But if you want the promise, get yourself positioned to get some of that spirit. Because that is the promise of the Father. Luke is working exceptionally hard to get our attention. 
exciting up there. Luke wants us to see that teaming with the Holy Spirit is not just an aspect of the Christian life, it's the very essence of it. It's the very essence of it. You're a charismatic church. You're okay to nod. And for the people on this side, five points because there's definitely been some nods there. Jesus only did what he did because he was powered by the Spirit. And the 120 first disciples in the upper room on Pentecost managed to get themselves powered by the Holy Spirit and set the entire church movement in motion. How do we want to live our lives without the power? Amazing. You and I would be hugely deceived if we thought we could do anything of eternal value in our own strength. Where are the young people? Here's a, here's a little cheeky tweet there for you. Tweet it out to your followers. I've done it already. My three followers are going crazy. <laughs> you and I would be hugely deceived if we thought we could do anything of eternal value in our own strength. You see, this passage is designed to provoke it's designed to stir, it's designed to get you thinking, it's designed to excite you, and most certainly, it's designed to create a deep longing inside of you. And you know what? We listen to passages like this, and I'm saying we because I think this happens to a lot of people that I've spoken to, and if you're the exception, that's wonderful. I'm not being sarcastic. If you are, that is wonderful. But I listen to a lot of people. They say, you know, in the moment, wow, there was something there, and then I... I don't know, a week later I was like, pay attention, stay in it until there's something happening. Don't let it simply wash over you. Very, very late last night, I grabbed, grabbed my um, laptop and started rewriting some of this. And this I feel like God's saying prophetically. Some people here today, you, you trusted God and you are mad at Him for letting you down. You trusted Him and He never came through. He's supposed to come through because He's God and He never came through. And you are broken hearted. You didn't even know how to process it. In fact, you don't even know how to process it up to this point. It's all just too much. You so badly didn't want it to be part of your story. And it is. And you don't know what to do with it. You don't even want to say it out loud. God wants you to know that He sees you. God wants you to know that He sees you. He knew. He knew that thing was going to be in your heart even before it was in your heart. And he loves you anyway. God wants to say to you, he is as committed to you as he ever was. And he loves you with everlasting love. If you're wondering why your heart is racing and why you're suddenly paying attention, it's because it's you. It's because it's you. And God wants to do something in your life. We'll make time to pray before we go. 
make sure you don't leave without praying. You can come to the front or you can pray in your seat with someone or you can do it alone, but don't leave without praying. If that word's for you and you know it's for you, don't you leave without praying. Because God will do what he said he would do. In 30 AD, 120 people believed the promise was for them. They were willing to position themselves to receive the gift of the Father, and they did. How about you, Joe, this morning? How about you guys? Are you willing to position yourself? If you're not even a Christian, it's quite simple. Jesus Christ died for you on a cross for your sins. It's called the beautiful exchange. You didn't deserve it, but he did it. If you're willing to accept that into your heart today, he'll change your life forever. If you repent, he'll change your life. He won't just, change, he won't just save you and give you eternity with him, which is, I mean, that's a pretty big prize. In fact, it doesn't get bigger than that. But over and above, in between now and when you meet him, he's willing to power your life by his spirit. Amazing. Are you willing to position yourself? And for those wonderful people who've been following Christ for a long time, there is more. There is more for you today. For, more for you tomorrow. More. Not the, I'm saying this because we're in a charismatic church and I can. I'm saying this because it's in the Bible and there is more. If you're a Christian, there is more for you today. Do you believe it? Yeah. I thought we're in Africa and I thought in Africa people climb up the walls. That's what I tell my friends in England. When they quiet during my preaches, I'm like, what is wrong with you people? Are you willing to position yourself again? Friend of Jesus, are you willing to position yourself again? He's willing. Gee, it's, we, Chad prayed it. He said it, didn't he? And we didn't talk beforehand. We, I think we said hello. Something. This is what God's been saying for the past two weeks. He's going to do the same thing that he did in the book of Acts. I don't care about the numbers or any of that. He's going to do the same thing. He's going to empower you and me. If we are willing to position ourselves, he will empower you and me like he did the first believers in the book of Acts. And we will speak the language of the people. That's what God said to me. He said, they spoke the language of the people and people couldn't deny the goodness of God. It may, it may just be English. But God is going to give us stuff that we're going to say to people that's going to be so personal. So personal. God's going to give you stuff, bud, that you're going to say to people that's going to be so personal, it's going to change their lives for eternity. So how would we say no? The living God, the creator of the universe, wants to do something extraordinary in us. We better be excited. <laughs> And I'm not asking you to be excited because I'm speaking and it's going to make me feel good. I'm asking you to be excited because your life's going to be forever and forever changed. Anyone could have preached this message. If you're thinking, even me, totally. 
especially you. If you're thinking, me, genuinely, this is what God is saying, especially you. Especially you if you've discounted yourself and said, I can't. Especially you. He loves you so much. So much. The thing that caught the Elamites and the Arabs and the Egyptians of God is that people were just ordinary. But they had something. If you sit and wait, he'll give you something. He'll give you something. If your life is powered by the Spirit of God, it's impossible for the people around you not to be affected. So if right now people around us aren't being affected, we should just take a long, hard look in the mirror. And if you're thinking, but I'm working hard here, that's the problem. Don't we sometimes just get into a routine? I've been a Christian for a long time, so I'm just going to do this stuff and say this stuff and pray the prayers that I've always been praying. Maybe God has a new prayer for you to pray. Maybe God wants to do something new. He wants to maybe just give you some fresh bread. Maybe you need to say, let's use Bible speak for a, la- for, for, for a moment. Maybe you need a new wine scheme up there. Because if you pour old wine, new wine into an old wine scheme, I'm going to get it right at some point. New wine into an old wine scheme, the thing just breaks. God wants to pour out new wine. Let's get ourselves a new container. In John 7, the Bible says this amazing thing. It says, anyone, I love, don't you love that the Bible is inclusive? (laughs) Anyone. Love those words. Anyone who is thirsty, come and drink. And I will make something, it's never normal with God, is it? It's never normal. It's not like, okay, Gail, he's also a bit water, right? No, it's like, you know, we, this is our expectation, right? Because my mouth's quite dry right now. And then you think, oh, my kids drank half of this during worship. And the weird thing is, you take the sip and you walk away, and almost instantly it's back. It's a weird thing. And that's water. It's not fizzy drink or something that the dentist says I, was, I wasn't allowed to have. So it's, but I, there's almost an instant, it's not, it's not enough. I feel like I need the whole bottle. Jesus says something extraordinary. He says, anyone who wants to come to me, who is thirsty, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make something so extraordinary happen inside of you. I'm going to start a river. I'm going to start something that the only description I've got for it, it's like a river. And it's going to burst out from you. It's not just for you, it's going to burst out from you, this river. Isn't it amazing? A life-giving, moving force. David, it's not a reservoir. I'm reminding you, when God pours himself over your life, it's not so that you can say, Jeepers, now I've got this giant pool, everybody come and have a party. Or I'm just going to swim in my pool. No, 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 no. It's a river, a moving, flowing, the very presence of God with you. Wow. The very presence of God, the very presence and power of heaven with the ability to change the very geography around you. 
No matter where you go to read about the Spirit in Scripture, and no matter what metaphor is used, the end result is always new life. This is just what the Spirit does. The, spirit, the law brings death because no one can keep up with it. But the Spirit brings life. Quick example. Sorry. Is that okay? Can I continue? Quick example. This is the Old Testament. It's Exodus 19. Moses is up on the mountain. He's busy getting the law. He's saying to the people, I'm going to go get something from God. It's the same situation as, if you read it, there's so many similarities. Something similar is happening. The presence of God is accompanied by the sound of wind and thunder, and there's fire. Moses is up on the mountain. The people so quickly get bored and forget the promises of God that they create for themselves a golden calf. Moses comes down with the law. Guess what happens? They're all found sinning. They're all found falling short. They're all found in trouble. And guess, numbers are important, just as language is important. Guess how many people die on that day? 3,000. The Bible's trying to get our attention, people. It's not in there because that's the only number the person had. 3,000 people, because of the law that they couldn't keep, die on that day. Let's fast forward to the day of Pentecost. Just a quick reminder for those who weren't listening earlier. Wait. There's a waiting on God. There's fire. There's wind. It's loud. It's a big deal. God is saying, I'm doing something new. He pours out his spirit, and what happens? The spirit brings life. People go out, they speak other languages. Guess how many people get saved on that day? 3,000. The Bible's trying to get our attention. People out in the valley, people out in the city, people in this nation, and believe it or not, I'm going to keep saying this because I think I'm only here for another six or seven months, but I'm going to keep saying this, people of Fishuk, this is bigger than Fishuk. God wants this to go to the ends of the earth. That's what he wants to do. Of course he cares about Fishuk, and of course you should be compassionate, and we should be compassionate about Fishuk, but this is way bigger. Because there's people living under the law, and they currently are a part of the 3,000. They are just simply going to die. That's the reality. They are simply going to die without God, and that shouldn't be happening on your and my watch. People should not be able to die without hearing the good news and the love of Jesus. He wants to do something in you and me so we can speak their language. And when we speak their language, their lives will be changed, and they will get the same power, and they will go on doing it, and their children will receive it, and people afar off from them will receive it. This thing is and should be and will forever be unstoppable. So we need to ask ourselves, where are we positioning ourselves? Just in case someone has this last question, is this a once-off deal? Are we doing this today? Or how does this work? That's a very good question. We're going to go to Ephesians quickly. Um, so let me, I think there's a slide there. And when you believed in Christ, or for those who are still wondering what happens when you believe in Christ, when you believed or when you choose to believe in Jesus, he identified you as his own by doing what? By giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's what? Guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised. 
and that he has purchased us to be his own people. God, in the moment when you give your life to him, gives you, gives you the Holy Spirit. Yes, it's once off. In that moment, it's once off. Because it seals you. It's a guarantee. Here's the crazy thing. The original Greek can be described two ways. And we must pay attention to the language. Guarantee. When you see the word guarantee, you need to ask questions. What does guarantee mean? Guarantee or down payment. Don't you like that? There's something there. So this first thing that happens in your heart, this thing that happens once off, is a down payment. You know what the great thing is about a down payment? There's more payments to come. The down payment is the initial payment. The down payment is only the thing that seals the deal, that rubber stamps it. That's the down payment. And then, in Ephesians 5, if you go forward a little bit, he's saying, the times are crazy, people. This is my speak. You can read it for yourself in the proper language. The times are crazy, so don't be getting drunk. You'll just be wasting your time, but rather be filled with the Spirit. And he's using a Greek imperative there, which means he's saying, keep coming back for more of the Spirit over and over so that you can wake up tomorrow morning and parent properly. How many of the parents need to hear that? How many get it wrong sometimes? Three of us. Cool. Well, the three of us, if we get more of the Spirit, we will be less shouty. Some, some wives are thinking, I'm sending my husband to you straight after the service. Give him some of that power. Because he needs to do things differently. If we, if we surrender our lives to Jesus, he gives us the instant guarantee and it's a one-off. But then, in order to do life. So do yourself a favor, read Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 5. And when you get to Ephesians 5, you'll see you need to do it over, 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 and over again. Wait, be filled, go. Watch the river flow from you. Watch it change someone's else, someone else's life and their situation. Be amazed, give glory to God, and repeat. Come back, wait, be filled. Watch the river do its thing and bring life and change the situation in everybody else's life. And let's see them get more of the river for themselves. The spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead and empowered him to live on earth and the spirit who caused ordinary Galileans to birth the church is here today. And wants to do something significant in us. In case you're thinking, you have no idea what I have done I can never get this. I am way too bad. Let me quickly say, say this thing. Peter, the guy that we read of, who preached and saw 3,000 lives changed, less than 60 days before this event, denied Jesus three times. He walked on water with Jesus. <laughs> Nobody else in history walked on water with Jesus. Your life is not that bad. He walked, he knew everything. He was close to Jesus. When Jesus made that breakfast on the beach that one day, he said, oh, is it Jesus? Oh, okay. He jumped out. He left his mates for dead. You can bring the fish. I'm going to go with he, be with him. 
He was close to Jesus, and when the pressure came, he denied him. And this is the grace of God, that even though this guy who was close and had it all denied him, Jesus forgave him, reinstated him, and filled him with his spirit. And he's the one that's called the rock, and the church is built on him. He's the guy that preached and started the whole thing, set the whole thing in motion. So you are not too bad. You are not too far away. Don't fear. Don't be scared. You're not going to start doing stupid stuff. We're called charismatics, not charismaniacs. And just one last thing, and then I really need to end because I've gone way over. Please don't be, please don't be okay with where you are. You don't have to do anything. I'm not looking for any emotion. Nobody has to come forward. We will pray. You don't have to come forward. All I'm asking you to do, and whether it happens in this moment, which would be great for you, or whether it goes home, which will be equally great for you, just position yourself before God and then ask yourself, in light of what you heard today, or maybe if you read it without the shouty Afrikaans accent in Acts 2 for yourself, if you read it and say, I'm okay, I'm just going to keep on with my life the way it is. Oh, that would be sad. It would be really sad. Don't be okay with ordinary when God has called you for the extraordinary. Can I have the band, please? You know, God will meet you in your seat. You can pray with a friend and he'll meet you. There's some people here who know that you have to pray for other people. It'd be great if when we start praying, you can come and help me. Um, I want to specifically, I want to specifically say to you, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, He is willing to change your life. And if you think, well, can he show himself to you? He will show himself to you. Here's, what, here's the deal I can work with you. I'm going to be over here. And I'll pray. And if you, I mean, it could be that you're not far away from Jesus and you're a Christ follower and you love him and you want to come and pray. That's also okay. But particularly if you don't know Jesus and you're thinking, man, I wonder if he's really as real as you say he is, Come here. Do you know why? He's going to use ordinary Sydney because he loves you so much in this moment to speak your language. And I'm going to trust him to change your life forever.